usually if we have a difficult conversation on the fly, it usually turns to escalation. And when the escalation happens, people get more and more defensive and the conversation fails. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Matt Liss from RM Leadership Group, otherwise known as Crestcom. How's it going, Matt? Doing great. Beautiful day to be with you and uh, glad to be here. So Matt, you're one of the premier speakers at this year's Ohio Safety Congress 2024, which is going to be in March in Columbus. If you want more info on that, you can check in our show notes and it's going to be at the end of this. We'll have a little ad. You can learn more about that event. So Matt, you're going to be presenting on how to deal with difficult people, such a crucial topic in this time. Before we get into that, though, and have this conversation to give the people a little bit of preview, what you're going to be presenting on, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, Mike. I am a licensed Crestcom regional area, and um, I work in central Ohio, and we do leadership training for emerging leaders to help people develop their staff and to grow their skills and their skill sets on how to work in the same soft skills of management. So this is such an important topic. You know, we we're talking before we got on here, started recording. I'm real passionate about this. Everywhere I go, everyone's like, how do I deal with this person? This person's unmotivated. This person's angry and has a bad attitude and they're confrontational. This is a big topic around all workplace cultures, especially as we see the cultures begin to shift, right? We see people more passive. We hear terms like psychological safety coming out. We see the political world that just could be combustible at the workplace. So such an important topic. Give us just a quick overview of like what you're going to be talking about at Safety Congress in March. We are going to focus on the behavior side of what employees do at work, right? We aren't going to talk about performance-related issues like we aren't going to talk about they aren't doing a good job or they aren't suited for that job or the opportunity. We're talking about what they do and how they act at the workplace because we know roughly 25% of all managers' times are dealing with conflict issues, so that's what we wow, want to help you wow. guys. Let's sit on, on there. Not to interrupt yeah. you. Let's sit on that. Because I, yeah. I don't want to just rush over that. One out of four hours, 25% yep. of their time are going to what? Conflict issues, right? So you're dealing with wow. conflicts with your either your customers, your employees, other managers, whatever it may be. I like to say, you know, a lot of it's getting everyone to play in the same sandbox together, right? And you spend a lot of time on that. I'm just thinking how much money we could save and efficiency we could increase just by taking that down to five, 10%. I'm, I'm just, that's oh, su absolutely. such a valuable, is this a common conversation among companies that you work with that saying, this is an issue for us. We need to get this time down and to save on productivity. Yeah. There's been a lot of studies done on that and that root employees cost companies millions of dollars in productivity every year. And ironically, some of the biggest offenders are the managers. Because we've all had experiences where we worked with managers that are very good and easy to get along with. We've also had the ones, the fist pounders, the mm -hmm. screamers, the yellers, right? And all of that affects your productivity because that affects the mindset and the attitudes of your employees as well. Absolutely. And do you find that there's a, with managers in particular, we always want to point the finger? I mean, those of us that have been in leadership roles, we always want to blame the workers or the staff and or the subordinates, we kind of put our thing or we blame someone else or maybe the other department, the other shift, and sometimes have a little bit of lack of self-awareness 
Absolutely. I mean, you think a lot of it is as you, let's say, get promoted, your ego grows, right? And you think I must be doing it right because I'm getting promoted. So mm -hmm. what I believe or what I'm doing is, is the right thing. And you often see that, hey, I don't care if they don't agree with me. You know, this is the way we're going to do it. Come hell or high water, this is what we're going to do. And not enough times do they look back and say, okay, I need to get some input or some feedback from our employees because, um, you know, the one thing that managers are very good at, they're very good at giving feedback, but they have to learn to be very good at receiving the feedback from their employees because that's how you close the gap and you also build that relationship of trust with them. I've seen a lot of managers fail in this aspect where if someone comes back and they, and they give feedback all the time and they want to coach people through stuff, they want to correct them, which is part of the job. It's absolutely legitimate. But when it comes to receiving feedback, they take it personally, like you're insulting them or, and some, some people obviously are going to be rough around the edges and not know how to articulate how they're feeling or, you know, what it is. So we get that, but how can me as a manager, how can I receive that feedback and kind of analyze it and process it? So I don't take it personally, but I use it to like hone my skills and make me a more effective manager. Well, one of the things you need to do is you need to learn that when you're either giving or receiving feedback, it needs to be directed to the person and not about the person, right? Because you have to figure out that line that says, okay, we're going to talk about your behaviors, but not about you. Right. Because if I say it's you, it's you, it's you, what happens is those people get defensive. The hair on the back of your neck stands up and you shut down. Right. You just feedback's over. Right. They just shut mm -hmm. that, shut it down. And you have to get to that point where, OK, we can have a, a, a trust relationship and we have to be able to talk about what's going on. But you have to do it in a way where you aren't talking about that person. I notice our body posture too, from, from some things I've studied and read shifts with certain type of coaching or confrontation. I, and if you look at anything, when we have a confrontation, we tend to square off body language, right? Shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> like mano a mano. And it doesn't matter what gender yeah. you are, but there's this face to face kind of confrontation when people have, you know, conversations and they're trying to like, just look into something, they'll tend to form a V. They'll be at an angle and their their feet feet to feet. And I saw a video on this and I'm like, nah. But I, I noticed myself in certain conversations coming up and I would kind of lean in one side and, and we're forming like a V with the other person. And so like you're boxing. Thing, right? Yes, yes. So one yeah, thing I've yeah. learned is like if the body posture is like confrontations always face to face, head to head, shoulder to shoulder, and it creates this uncomfortable environment. Even in our culture where we say, look us in the eye, you know, we're yeah. a low context culture, but we we do that. But I've noticed like a lot of times if we could take that finger pointing, we can be more effective. We take that finger pointing and put that on the problem or the behavior that we're trying to address rather than a person. Because what happened, what I've learned is if my identity comes in question and people might not use that language and they're processing, but if I'm starting to feel questioned and I'm starting to feel like I don't have any worth. And so by putting the focus, you almost like triangulate the issue. So you have the manager, you have the subordinate, and then you have the the problem is a third party is a third person on this triangle to kind of confront that and say, Hey, come here, let's figure out how we're going to solve this together. That kind of thing. And that doesn't work for everyone. I, I know there's some tough guys out there, especially in a manufacturing and construction, you need to get in their face a little bit. I know people are like, no, I've worked in those environments. I have family all through there. You know, you can't let the prison run the, the prison yard, so to speak. Right. But do you find that to be true? If we could, is that, is that what I hear you saying? A similar thing of like, 
if we could kind of posture up and we could look and say, hey, this isn't about you. This is about this particular situation or behavior we're dealing with. Yeah, we talk a lot in um, some of our trainings that, you know, over 50% of your message is conveyed by your body language, whether that's your facial expressions, your hand expressions, how you stand, cross your arms, whatever it might be, right? So a lot of your message that people are receiving is coming from that physical appearance of you, right? So you have to be very mindful of that because if you are in that position and you have your physical, let's say, stance of conflict, people immediately are starting to be defensive. And you have to learn to focus on the issues and not the faults of the person, right? So if you work on the issues and don't, you know, look at the fault of the person and work on that side of it, you're bound to have a little bit better discussion with them. And what's really important when you have to have your difficult conversations is you start to work on a script, right? You kind of write it out and be ready, prepared for it. Because usually if we have a difficult conversation on the fly, it usually turns to escalation. And when the escalation happens, people get more and more defensive and it fails. The conversation fails. So if you have a script you can work your script and be prepared and try to keep your focus so you are able to address issues and not the faults. And a lot of people out there could say, well, that's a bunch of nonsense. And for anyone that's listening to that, that's a hardliner that would say that kind of stuff. I've done support groups over the years with many different kinds of folks, individuals, families, single moms, homeless veterans who are more of the man's man kind of folks. And it didn't matter where you're from. A lot of times we would talk about these things in support group type settings, exact similar things that you're talking about. I would try to train them on. And what's funny is they would come out and they were like, this is dumb. They would say this stuff, right? When This is uh, everyone knows this, right? And then they would come back and they would be put in a situation. And sometimes I was able to witness those situations where they had an opportunity in the passing by, Hey, go do this for me. And they're like, huh? And they felt wrong, but the other person didn't intend to like talk down to them. They were just in a hurry. And so they would come back and say, you know what? I was real mad, but I stopped myself. I remember what you said. I went back, took a second, reprocessed the information, said, you know what? This wasn't personal. And I came back out. There was no conflict, no issue. Those cold moments do that script and the cold moments does help prepare you for those hot moments. So if I'm a manager, what's the most effective way to give and to receive feedback to help make me a better manager? Well, first off, it starts with trust, right? You have to have that relationship with someone that they feel it's safe that they can give you that feedback, right? Because what happens is a lot of times is people give that feedback and then there's retribution, right? Like an employee says something to their boss and then all of a sudden they're getting the crappy jobs, Right. And they're like, man, it all started after we had our discussion that gets around and people are like, "Okay, I'm not going to say anything to the boss then. Right. So if you don't have that feeling, that safety, that it becomes a negative experience for people and then that word gets out. So you have to develop that and you have to be able to feel that you're able to discuss with them openly as well as they need to feel that same way. Otherwise, it doesn't work. That is so true. That is so true. Everyone listening to this is going to be, they're going to have an anecdote right in their mind. They're going to have a story to say, oh, yes, I've experienced this A, B, and C. So that's such good information. And I think if we really are genuine about wanting to improve ourselves, our professionalism, our skill set, we have to be open to feedback. 
It doesn't mean you're a walking doormat for employees to just cut you out or just be toxic to you. That's not what we're talking right. about. We're saying, but you have to be open. You know, we find out that like maybe a hundred percent of what someone's saying is not true, but there's a good 20% that usually the best lies are built on some kind of truth. Right. So there's 20% yeah. of that's real. Then 80% might be emotional reaction. So we cut the yeah, 80%. You still out. have to filter, right? Yes. You still have to filter, but you know, the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So if if there's some grumbling about it, there's probably something you need to look introspectively and say, okay, maybe I'm not doing something as good as I could be, or maybe I'm doing something that upsets them or is rubs them, right? And because sometimes that little bit of friction is something that we need to understand how we can help with that because conflict is not bad. Conflict can be very good. And the best part about working with difficult people and learning how to work with them is that conflict can bring out a lot of good because it can bring different ideas and different points of view. And we have to understand that conflict is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but you need to be able to, let's say, control it and keep it within the lines so it is not personal. Absolutely. And I remember one time, and I'm going to, we'll end on this story and I'll give you a chance to kind of put your stuff out there. I was leading a support group with people from a homeless shelter and it was a huge learning experience for me because I had a tout with uh, drug abuse and different things in my early like college years. And so I was inexperienced at the time when I first started my job and I'm running the support groups. I had, I had all the education and the head knowledge and the, the training and all the buzzwords and all the different things and what I was trying to do. But when you're in your room trying to connect with people, it's a lot different. So I would tell my story often about my own drug use to try to connect with others that were going through, you know, they're trying to get off drugs and different things. And it would work 99% of the time, but this one time it, it didn't work. And someone was going through, there was a single mom, she was pregnant and one, nothing, nothing to do with it. And she took it as if I was talking down on people trying to go through recovery. And that is totally not, my intention was completely opposite. So my boss came after she complained to her and said, listen, people think you're talking down to them, you're judging them, and you got to cut it out and knock it off. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was real offended. I'm telling my story. It's just her. It's just her. It's just, she's the one, blah, 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 blah. And, I, I, and to some degree, I was right. Finally, it kind of blew up over a couple of days till we had multiple managers going. I mean, it kind of, <laughs> other people got involved in this conversation. Finally, her and I had a heart to heart and she said, Mike, listen, your job is to help them into the next place. And she said, you're failing her. So don't take this personally. It's working for other people, but you have to be conscious of every person you're in charge of in that program. And so if your job is to lead her out and she's getting offended, it's not that she's right or wrong or you're right or wrong. It's the fact that she needs something different to be successful. And so you're failing her as a leader. And I was like, wow, my eyes were opened and my heart sunk right. a little bit because it was my pride that really hurt that kept me from that. And I feel like that's the way with managers. I might have 10 people I'm in charge of, but if eight, I could get up to and just put self bluntly. I might have two that if I, if I respond that way, they're going to break down. They're going to, you know, they're going to that freeze fight, fight, flight, or freeze. And so if my job as a manager is to make the team more productive and to keep that team adhesive and, and just effective and keep going, then it means I might have to challenge myself to do things differently with certain individuals. Like you said earlier, that it's not that I'm a bad person and just saying, if my job is to help get them where we need to be as a team, and I have two players that need to be communicated to differently, I have to communicate differently. And that that sometimes that maturity and not taking it personally makes us a better manager or not. Yeah, absolutely. 
And part of dealing with difficult people is that you have to build those bridges of a relationship because some people need the pat on the back. Some people need a direction, you know, very directive discussion, but everyone reacts differently to different situations, different kinds of discussions. And we need to understand the individuals because like you said, eight people were positive. Two people needed a different mode of communication or a different, let's say, direction to help them. And we need to understand our people to do that. And part of that is that relationship, building the bridges and being able to focus on the issues and not the person and say, okay, what do I need to help you get from here to there? And that's a big part of dealing with difficult people is, is being able to get them from point A to point B without, you know, friction or blow ups or that kind of stuff. So that's a very important point. Very good. Matt, this is so much fun. I know we could probably go on another hour and a half. I love this conversation. I encourage everyone listening to this, go check out his presentation at Ohio Safety Congress, how to deal with difficult people. You could find it at ohiosafetycongress.com. Matt, if someone's like, man, something he said just rung my bell inside and I need to get him to my facility or contact him. How can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me. I have a Google page or you could go to crestcom.com and look at for facilitators and you can find me in the Ohio listings. You can also send me an email at matt.lis at crestcom, C-R-S-T-C-O-M.com. And I will definitely uh, reply to you and answer your emails and I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can also connect with me and you can get some tidbits on leadership training and leadership tips to help you um, grow and develop. So we're going to put a link to his website in the show notes and a link to Ohio Safety Congress. So if you're not driving, be safe out there, but you can check on your phone and click that to find them out there on the World Wide Web. So Matt, thank you again. That was so much fun, man. If I can make it to Congress, I'm definitely going to check out your session. I, I just want to lo- learn more about these. Will you come back on the podcast at a later time if we reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, we can talk about a lot of different subjects because, you know, that's part of this job that I really enjoy is is reaching out and helping others because that's the only way we're going to keep developing our next generation of leaders. And I love that. I have a I have a friend and a coach that says we do everything with the next generation of mine. And that's how he leads. So just to hear that same kind of language come out of your mouth, I'm like, yes, here we go. This is, this is how we win. And this is how we know that our kids future is going to be better and brighter than ours. So everybody listening out there, thank you, Matt, again, thanks for coming. Everybody out there, be safe. The Ohio Safety Congress and Expo hosted annually by the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation is the nation's largest free occupational safety conference focusing on helping employers improve safety and health within their business. Over 7,000 attendees gain knowledge and earn continuing education credits by participating in over 150 educational sessions, workshops, and leading keynote presentations. Find the best solutions to your biggest challenges while networking with over 350 exhibitors in the Expo Marketplace. This year's event will be live and in person on March 27th through the 29th at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. For more information or to register for free online, visit their website at www.ohiosafetycongress.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on your favorite podcast app. 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn an Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.com.